0: happier and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, coming to you in the wee hours of Wednesday morning as we uh, prepare for a full day of coverage in uh, Hoover, Alabama, the SEC baseball tournament. Everything got underway on Tuesday. And probably the most important news of the day as it relates to Mississippi State is the LSU Tigers knockoff South Carolina not a huge surprise there, but LSU obviously uh, gets down early in that ball game, battles back to win, and you you knew the Tigers would respond. You know when when South Carolina jumped up five-one uh, in that second inning, you knew there was a lot of baseball left. As great as it felt at the time, you just knew at some point LSU would pull even. They eventually pull away, win the ball game. Uh, they are almost like Kentucky in the MSU – I mean, pardon me, in the SEC men's basketball tournament. You, you expect LSU to be playing their best baseball this time of year. It's it's very rare to see the Tigers uh, get knocked out early. And also, too, it the first time ever uh, number 12 seed would have won the ball game. That That's never happened in the SEC tournament. And uh, we've been doing this now for several years with uh, the new format – but South Carolina gave it a run for a while. They just don't have any pitching. You know, it's, it, as we saw firsthand this past weekend, and and they threw every arm they had at LSU, trying to extend their season. Uh, but it is now over. So South Carolina is the last team into the tournament, uh, the last team eliminated on Tuesday. But uh, th- the issue really for, for Tuesday is the chalk held. We talk about that all the time when we get in these tournaments, about seeding, that sort of stuff. Everybody that was expected to win uh, won the ball game. And so now LSU – We'll move on to play Mississippi State in the nightcap on Wednesday. Uh, Dave Murray, Robbie Falk, and I will all be there. We'll give you full coverage, uh, as we normally do, to prepare for uh, you know, for this this weekend. Hopefully, Mississippi State still play. And I know some other people are thinking, you know, what if we go two and q over there? That's good, you know. And uh, I just you know, the more that I think about it, the more that I think, okay, if 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 Arkansas, Georgia, and Vanderbilt all advance. Deep into this tournament, and we don't. I think you're almost given the NCAA selection committee an opportunity to, to bump you down a little bit. We really want to see the favorites win, but I, I think we need to get a couple of wins. I hear just just so we can feel comfortable, and uh, knocking LSU off would be great. Uh, that's uh, that's it's one of those things too. If all the teams that you don't want to face. In the tournament at LSU, but that's just that's just how I feel as a Mississippi State guy. Just there, there are a team that always seems to be in our heads, much like we're in the heads of Ole Miss the last few years. LSU traditionally gives us trouble. We have had some success with them over the years in the SEC tournaments. Hopefully, that'll continue. I want to thank our fine sponsors, uh, Campus Bookmark, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely talented Susie. Starting to get some uh, some Susie reports from some of our. Boneyard listeners that have gone in and said hello to her, and thanks for doing that. She is a friend of the show, as they all are there at Campus Bookmart. They're your friends, too. And so I encourage you to go by do business with friends because uh, they want your business. They're ready to earn your business and willing to work for it. Campus Bookmart is a starkville and institution. Go by find the latest in maroon and white fashions as well as novelty items for the home, the RV, the pet, whatever you want. Anything you need to get outfitted in maroon and white, you can do that there at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, we encourage you. Visit them on the World Wide Web, Al Gore's internet will help you with that. Go to campusbookmart.net, use promo code BSR, that's the phrase that pays. BSR, of course, stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll save you shipping on all orders over $50. In this day and time, money's hard to come by, and it's always one of those things we can save you a little cash, we're happy to do it. So again, I'm very, very happy not to be with Campus Bookmark. So uh, let's get into this thing. We'll kind of break down the tournament a little bit, and then we'll look ahead uh, to tonight's game. One of those deals where uh, not a huge surprise. It's just one of those things where I, I love Tuesday because it is a single elimination day. You you don't like playing on Tuesday, if you know what I mean. Uh, but it's one of those deals where I, I watched every inning of every ball game. Very very happy to watch it. I guess I missed, may have missed the first inning or two of the Missouri Ole Miss game, uh, but uh, Florida and AM got the day off. When, man, what a great game that was! It just felt like Florida was gonna find a way find a way to win that deal, but they didn't. <laughs> it goes ten innings. AM knocks them off. It just an, an absolutely wild finish that ball game. I mean, absolutely crazy. Florida scores two in the 8th a A&M responds with four. Florida ties it in the ninth with two. And then AM walks it off in the 10th. I mean, just an incredible ball game. And it, it's, that's the thing about the SEC tournament is when you don't have really a rooting interest in the game, it's so great that you can just enjoy some great baseball. And that's kind of what this game felt like. It's like, you know what, Florida is fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. And, and I, you know, honestly I think they're in I know some other folks are saying well they're they're, they're probably out and you know Florida really doesn't need to have any bids stolen out there but I think with their RPI and the fact they're on conference schedule and non-conference record is so good they'll find a way in and not to mention you know we all know you know the SEC carries a big stick in this deal and uh if they want to sell tickets that you know they'll, they'll find a way to get Florida in but uh I just feel that Florida's reputation and their resume is enough to get them in. But you know, when you look at uh, this thing with with A and M, you know A and M is right there on the cusp of hosting. I think they're projected as a host now. I think they were 14 seed, uh, 14. Pardon me, you 14 seed and 14 in the RPI, and then they win this game, which is another top 50 RPI deal. I think Florida's 24 in RPI, so that that's big for A and M. Also, A&M throws uh, Asa Lacy on plenty of rest because he was suspended for the Alabama series. But, uh, you know, he has a decent outing, goes five and two-thirds of an inning. But he's pretty much spent for the week. I mean, I I can't imagine that they would bring him back and throw him a second time unless maybe it's like an inning on Sunday or something uh, because he's going to be expected to pitch in an an NCAA regional next weekend. But um, A&M uses four pitchers, really Lacy probably the only one that is completely spent for the tournament. Uh, Kalich gets the win with two innings in relief, uh, gives up uh, two runs on three hits, gets a couple of Ks there, only face nine hitters, uh, so he should be able to come back. And Menifee, of course, will be back. Uh, the big the big thing, the big hit of the day was uh, the big home run there. And uh, it just seemed like it's one of those things when you look at this deal with A&M, they are so limited offensively. When they put some runs together like they did today, they're a very dangerous team. Uh, Dukov is together. He absolutely hit a monster shot to left field and then comes up and gets the walk-off winner uh, there in the tent. So we know, we went down there, that uh, you've got to score some runs to kind of put A&M away, and A&M, of course, uh, rallied back against us in Game 3 and and nearly had a chance to win it, you know, had the... uh, the one he run on base. But, uh, you know, Rody Jordan runs that ball down in the gap, and, it, and it's over. It, it's a different ballpark. It's going to play a lot differently in Hoover than it did there at Bluebill Park. But um, excited to see, I guess, this thing happen. If I had to be honest with you, my rooting interest in the game is for A&M, and it's not because of any special love for A&M. It's just I'm just so sick and tired of the love affair with Florida. And there were some people, and listen, and I believe everybody's got a job to do and anybody can make a list, but there were some people that were very, very stubborn uh, this year trying to basically project Florida as a potential national championship contender despite all they lost. And and they just don't have the elite pitching they've had in recent years. And I think that's been the difference in the fact that you've got some young sticks out there too trying to figure some things out. But uh, Florida is done now, and they will simply wait for the NCAA selection committee to either call their name or not. There is no NIT for baseball, so it's as simple as that. They'll wait for the call and uh, find out. I think A&M, with their win, has solidified themselves as a host site. I think they have played their way into that thing. I think everybody's pretty much in agreement there, even if they lose the next two. Uh, I believe they're in. So looking ahead, uh, looking at the next ball game. we mentioned Missouri Ole Miss. You know, and uh, Will Etheridge, that's one thing. If, if Ole Miss does not advance deep into the postseason, I don't think they will because they don't have elite arms. It won't be because of Will Etheridge. I mean, he has been really, really good for Old Miss. I mean, that's today pitching on short rest, and he goes out there and has one of the better performances of the year, gives up the one run to Missouri early, and really just kind of shut them down after that. Ole Miss bullpen kind of holds it together. Uh, but, you know, a, you know, big ball game. Missouri gets the, uh, the second inning run, and you, you kind of felt like you kept waiting for Missouri to cash it again. They never did. And then Ole Miss gets uh, back-to-back doubles there in the fifth, find a way to kind of manufacture that, that second run, and they score two runs. You know, and Ole Miss offensively, and uh, there's a lot of this talk about what a great offense Ole Miss has. It's really not a great offense. It is a good offense. But it's not a great offense. But they got just enough offense to win the ball game today and to advance. Uh, I don't know what they're going to have left. Nikhazy will pitch, I'm sure, tomorrow. And uh, I think he's the best pitcher they have, even though I think Will Etheridge has been has been really good for them down the stretch. And that guy, he's a converted reliever. I mean, people forget that Old lost their entire weekend rotation. And Will Etheridge steps up and then becomes their Friday night guy. Ryan Olnick pitches the, the – uh, ninth and gets to save his second one in a row. And it just really makes you th- feel like that uh, Parker Caracci has really lost the confidence of that coaching staff. But at some point, they're going to have to throw him. Uh, I, you know, Today might not have been the day to do it. I know Ole Miss is you know, playing for positioning there. I don't think that Ole Miss can play their way into hosting unless they win the tournament. Uh, but you live and fight another day. But uh, Ole Miss wins 2-1. Uh, and, again, a couple of big doubles there, and you know, Thomas Dillard's in the middle of it. He's he's one of those guys that you just he's such a great mistake hitter. You, you just can't make a mistake to him. He'll make you pay. But I just you know, felt like Missouri would find a way to manufacture some offense against that Ole Miss bullpen that has been so shaky, but that wasn't the case. Ole Miss goes two innings of uh, relief pitching, does not allow a hit or a run, and just the one walk there, uh, and that was to open up the ninth inning. So uh, really solid effort. Myers strikes out the side and his one inning of work. Old Missile, get ready to go and uh, and, and live to uh, to play another day. In the uh, in the evening we had uh, in, in the afternoon game we had Tennessee at Auburn. Really felt like this would be a pitcher's duel. Really liked both of the guys that threw. I, I'm a, I'm a big Garrett Stallings fan. I, I think Garrett Stallings is probably one of the most underappreciated pitchers in this league. He goes five innings does give up three runs he hasn't been nearly as good down the stretch as he was for Mississippi State so, I And mean, I tell you I have seen some really good pitchers against Mississippi State this year uh, Garrett Stallings probably maybe Isaiah at Arkansas maybe the best arm we've seen but Stallings Stallings Asa Lacy, Isaiah that, that whole group there together I mean just some really 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 strong pitchers and Garrett Stallings maybe doesn't get to do that he's deserved in this league uh, pitched really well today. Uh, you, know, you got to think Tennessee is in the tournament with a 38-19 record and an RPI in the top 15. I don't know that they host. I think it's a possibility. There's a lot of discussion about that. But um, you know, Tennessee, very limited offensively, found a way to get some runs early in the ball game today. They get the one run, and then Auburn comes back and, and takes a 2-1 lead, and then they tie it in the fifth, and Auburn immediately answers back. To take the lead and then puts the game away there in the seventh. I did see something I've never seen before. I think, and that was uh, have to get the to do a review to confirm a walk because we lost uh, track of the count. I don't know how that happens. How do you lose track of the count? It's uh, yeah, it's one of those things too. And I and I hate to always be the guy to harps on officiating, but I understand that humans make errors. But uh, you know. I know there are judgment calls. I know there are things that happen, and, it, and sometimes it's difficult to, you know, to, to, to catch where a breaking ball crosses the plate. But uh, I at least thought we could count, you know. And so that's one of those things you look at. It's a little, it's just really kind of silly. It's kind of embarrassing for the league. But the bottom line is they do get the call right. Didn't turn out to be a big deal. Tennessee does score one in a ninth to make it five three, and really nothing beyond that. So Tennessee eliminated from the deal, uh, but they they will continue to play. Uh, where they play is just really the only question at this point. And then we get to the LSU-South Carolina game. And uh, South Carolina, of course, gives up the, uh, the big blast early on with uh, Smith hitting that. Win- and when Smith hit the home run, I thought, you know what? LSU is going to absolutely roll over these guys. Because that's one of the things about the Tigers. And I tweeted that out. I've seen this movie before. They start doing crazy things. And they do. So LSU gives up five runs in a second. And it was one of those weird type innings because LSU was so good defensively, they just don't make a lot of errors. They just don't do it. They're just so fundamentally sound defensively. If you hit the ball on the ground, you better absolutely tear it up. because now in Hoover, it's a little bit of a fast infield. It plays fast. But LSU was so good defensively that, that you better hit line drives against them. They're so fast in outfield, anything that hangs up for them, they're going to run it down. You just got to hit line drives or work the ball down the line. But they get in that second inning, and what happens? You get a ball back up the middle, second baseman, makes a great play on, uh, runs the thing down, and then can't get it out of his glove. Broussard runs it, makes the backhanded stop up the middle, and then can't dig it out of the glove. I think the webbing broke on the glove. It's one of those freak things that happens. Then the next thing you know, Garza is called, they call a pitch out, and rather than uh, Cole Hendrick throwing the ball in the other batter's box because they guessed right there, he throws it. It catches too much of the plate, and then the next thing you know, Khalil swings through. And uh, yeah, I don't care what anybody says, it was an intentional deal. It wasn't an attempt to injure, but uh, Khalil saw the opportunity, swings at it to protect the runner, and also catches some glove. That is a That is a CI every single time. As a former catcher, I'll tell you, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter <laughs> what what happens there. Anytime that you are within the the, the hitting plane, and that and they make contact with the glove, you're going to get called for a CI. That's as simple as I can make it. Uh, but the, but so it was just a weird inning, and then they get a hit a hit by pitch, and it just seemed like things began to snowball from there. They put up five runs in the inning, and I, I was a little bit elated, I guess, when I saw them up five one. I was just hoping they would continue to, to hit well. Cole Henry had been really good the first time, the first first time uh, the first inning there. But South Carolina just simply couldn't answer after that. And then LSU begins to kind of catch up. And the next thing you know, it's a 6-5 ball game after the fourth. And at the, once LSU pulled even, it was it was just a matter of what the final score was going to be. Because I just felt like that's one of those things about LSU. They're just one of those teams that play really well when they get downhill on you. When they get momentum and they get the crowd going and, and Chris is out there with the Go Tigers thing, there's just something magical that happens or evil, depending on your perspective. But once LSU took this lead, this ballgame was over. And that's one of the things that I think State's going to have to really kind of manage in the ballgame tomorrow is the emotions. They're going to have to manage the emotions and not let the crowd get to them. LSU, uh, 13 hits on the night, 8 runs, and they made 3 errors, which is so uncharacteristic for LSU. They made 3 errors in the ball game and still found a way to win. Because that's what LSU does. And, and that's the thing, too. As bad as the season has been for them, as bad as the injuries they've had, this is when they're playing their best baseball. And and you knew last weekend they went into that series against Auburn. One of those teams is probably going to play their way into a hosting opportunity, and you just knew it was going to be LSU. They entered this week knowing, you know what, we got to go win a couple ball games. and here they are. They've already got one on their belt. They go two and two. They're probably hosting without a doubt. They entered today, RPI of around 21, with the win, which the South Carolina's not going to help them a whole lot. But with the win and some other losses, LSU will probably kind of sneak in there. And I think if they're anywhere close, they're going to give them the opportunity to host. It's kind of like putting Florida in a tournament. I think Florida and LSU will get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, So that's that's your day. That's Tuesday, the Tuesday recap there for you. Your winners again, A&M, Ole Miss, Auburn, LSU. So every team 10 11 12 eliminated. 9 10 11 12 all eliminated. Everybody they advanced. So now we're going to have seeds 1 through 8 uh play tomorrow. So looking at tomorrow's schedule, you've got Texas A&M playing Georgia. That'll be a great ball game. That that's, you know, some of us will be driving over or whatever, but that A&M Georgia game, that'll be a great ball game. I expect that'll be, you know, probably 3 to 2 or something like that. And I'm not sure who's going to pitch for Georgia tomorrow, but uh That'll be a really good one. A&M again, very, very challenged offensively. Georgia, a great pitching staff, also not a great offensive team. That'll be that probably be a pretty quick ball game. And considering we've got four to play tomorrow, that's really good. Ole Miss will take on Arkansas, and, you, and people forget this: Ole Miss won two of three. Ole Miss went to bomb and won two of three against Arkansas, so they will not sneak up on Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas probably playing as well as anybody in the country down the stretch, and then they hit a little road bump last weekend against A and M. Uh, that'll be a big ball game. You know, we talk about Ole Miss kind of playing their way to get a better seed. I mean, they don't want to go to Corvallis. I'm sure they're happy to go anywhere, but at the same time that they they want to have a chance to play in front of some some fans of their own. You win this ball game, I think that puts you in a much better situation. But that side of the bracket that's A and M, Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas. If you look at Mississippi State and you begin to think, okay, what's your rooting interest over there? And it sounds pretty strange. You'd really like to see A&M and Ole Miss win the ballgame tomorrow. That, that's what you'd really like to see. Because I think in the end, and there's some, there's some Bulldog fans out there that say, hey, Steve, if we got a root for Ole Miss, we probably don't deserve it. And that's and that's that. I get it. I understand. But if you want to advance in this thing, and then again to kind of pad your resume, you, you want some people that are kind of similarly situated to take some L's. So if you could get A&M and Ole Miss to win, that's probably big. And, and, and if you can't bring yourself to win, you know, just maybe root for State to win big next couple ballgames. The bottom half of the bracket, which is our side, Auburn will play Vanderbilt. I really don't give Auburn much chance to win that ballgame. But if they could find a way to win that ballgame, it certainly sets it well for Mississippi State. State will play OSU. And uh, we'll, we'll begin to preview that ballgame now. I want to remind you guys when you're in town – Bulldog Burger Company is absolutely the place to go eat. I was there last week, had the Sloppy Joe Sliders. They are absolutely divine. If you're looking for a cheat day, Bulldog Burger Company is the way to go. If you're looking for a healthy lunch, you can do that there, too. You can have the Angry Bird Salad, have the Kel State Salad. A lot of great options to choose from. And there's some big news coming down the road for Bulldog Burger Company, a great company run by a great Mississippi State group of families that have served this community for many, many years. So you're not just doing business with a great Starkville business. You're doing business with people that are invested in Mississippi State. People that are invested in Starkville. And so I'm always a big believer in doing business with Bulldogs. And that's what you do when you go to Bulldog Burger Company. So I encourage you, follow them on all forms of social media. You can see the daily specials, you can see the drink specials, everything that's available for you at Bulldog Burger Company. It is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District, within walking distance. Go by and check them out. Find your own favorites there at Bulldog Bird Company. Your place in Starkville, People Go to Meet, M-E-A-T. So let's look ahead at LSU. Uh, Palmineri announces that LSU will throw Eric Walker. Eric Walker, 5-4, and four, actually leads the, uh, the LSU staff and wins this year. 5-4, uh, 13 starts on the year, 63 innings pitch, allowed f- just 56 hits, 34 runs, all of them earned. Not a big strikeout guy. Just 52 strikeouts against 25 walks. Right there, 2-1. to one. Didn't have a lot of strikeouts against Mississippi State. Has allowed one triple and seven home runs. The seven home runs is the uh, second highest number on the team. Only Zach Hess has allowed more. 236 at-bats. Opponents are hitting 237. Just two wild pitches, four hit-by-pitches. And has only allowed uh, two stolen bases. Or part? Yeah. No. Whatever. <laughs> it's so early in the morning, I tell you what. Uh so yeah, that's um, so Eric Walker, so if you're somewhat familiar with him, let me run down the numbers for you on what he's done this year. Uh, Eric Walker uh, has been a very good pitcher, had his longest outing of the year in Starkville, and that was a win. but uh, going back, he started out in the bullpen, got a relief against Yale Monroe, uh, came in relief against uh, against Bryant in relief against so gets his first win in relief against Southern, and then uh, pitches against Texas. Kentucky still in mid relief, and the next thing you know, that they begin to start him on the SEC weekends. He picks up a uh, a law takes a loss against Georgia, and then comes to Starkville the next weekend, and goes seven innings pitch, allows just four hits, two walks, just the three strikeouts, earns the win. And then then A and M takes a loss at A and M, gets a win against Florida. It's a, uh, a win against Alabama, a loss against Ole Miss, a no decision against Arkansas, and then a win over Auburn. Back to that Mississippi State game, that is one of the ones that you look back and you say, okay, we absolutely got beat that day. That wasn't a day that I felt like that we were competitive. Uh, LSU jumps out to a one nothing lead in the ballgame. Then the next thing you know, Eric Walker kind of takes over. Eric Walker keeps State at bay. And LSU kept the game right there. Next thing you know, it's two more runs, one more run. It's a four nothing ball game headed into the to seventh inning, and, o, and an LSU tacks on four. It's eight nothing, nine nothing, eleven nothing, and then we score two uh, late there uh, in the night. This was a Saturday game. It was game three of the series and uh, the series clincher for LSU. It was absolutely an abysmal day for the Mississippi State offense. And I'm, I'm sure it was no surprise that Eric, that Eric Walker got to start this week uh, against Mississippi State. I'm sure Paul Maneri was already thinking, hey, if we win, we're going to throw Eric Walker. I don't blame him. If you forget that uh, ball game, that's the game Peyton Plumlee started, worked his way back into the lineup. DePlanus hits the home run, and it was one of those deals where it just kind of felt after that we were going to be okay and kind of settle in. We just couldn't get anything going against Walker. Uh, we get in the bottom of the first. Uh, Mangum's ground, Mount, Mangum lines out. Westbrook grounds out. We get a walk in the first inning. Can't do anything with it. Uh, we get into the second inning. Really kind of a similar deal there. Uh, we get a single from Dustin Skelton. One of four hits on the day. He's caught stealing. Nothing going there. Uh, Plumlee kind of settles down. We feel like the game is kind of settling. We just need to kind of get some things figured out offensively. Uh, we get a single from Jordan Westberg in the ball game, strand him. That's our second hit of the day. Then LSU puts some puts a couple more runs up there, and it really felt like the game was getting away from us. We go in order in the fourth. Uh, they, again, they score again in the fifth. We come back in the fifth, and we go in order. And, and most of those were not competitive swings. I, I remember this distinctly. Ground out, ground out, pop up, right. We go in order in the sixth, the seventh. They blow the game open, and it was one of those games too. That, that whole, we reached, we we booted the ball around. We gave them so much in that ball game. We come back in the seventh. We earn a walk, right, which is our first base runner, I guess, in three innings. I think that's right. Then we go back. Yeah, all the way back to the third inning before we had a base runner. And that was a single. And so in the middle innings, Walker really shut us down. We finally get him out of the ballgame uh, in the seventh. Finally get him out. And um, at this point, you know, we're just kind of waiting for the game to get over. It's 9 nothing, And we get into the eighth. And uh, Mangum singles, Westbrook singles. And then we get a fielder's choice there and get out of the deal. The only time we ever were to get anything going, they bring in Peterson. And Peterson pitched tonight for LSU. Uh, the ninth, that was she makes it 11 nothing, and then we come up in the ninth. At this point, the game is decided. You know, there's no, it's, there's really no issue here. I mean, they're just trying to get three outs, Foskey doubles, and then Rowdy Jordan homers, and so it's just one of those deals where you look at this and you think this is the one ball game I look at this year. And, and we can talk about that that middle game against Arkansas where we walk 16 hitters, but that's really more self-inflicted wounds. This ball game against LSU, that Saturday ball game, that's a game where Mississippi State got beaten. It, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't just a bad day. LSU beat us, uh, arguably the worst loss of the year. We lose the ball game 11-2. We score a couple runs uh, late to kind of make it look a little closer than it really was. Uh, but I think that's a ball game. You know, that and maybe that Saturday game at Fayetteville. You know, again, the Friday game at Fayetteville is when we walked 16 runners, 16 hitters, and eight of those scored. That's the difference in the ball game. But that, that LSU ball game, that's the one that stays with me. That's the one that I look at and say, you know what? I remember walking out of the ballpark that day thinking, you know what? We're not as good as we think we are. That's how I felt. And, and maybe something that had to do with the fact that I absolutely despise LSU and I really thought that was going to be a big issue for us. You know what I'm saying? It's like I, I thought. Okay, LSU is our dad, and I remember coming on this show telling everybody that that um, that LSU just seemed to always kind of have our number, and that's how it felt. You know, I felt really good about our team. Thought we had a real opportunity to take the series, especially after we win that Thursday night game. We win Ace versus Ace, and uh, you kind of looked at the fact that they didn't have a whole lot going. They were going to throw a freshman. They were going to throw a a, a converted reliever in Game 3, and you just kind of felt like we had a chance to do it, and we didn't. But that ball game, Mississippi State, was absolutely dominated uh, by Walker. So he will come out, I'm sure, with a lot of confidence. This LSU offense will come out. At this point, we don't know who they're going to face. I suspect we could see Ethan Small. And I know some people said, well, you know, Steve, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, here's the deal. So Ethan threw last Thursday, so he's really only throwing on one day's less rest. But if he throws on Wednesday, that's even more rest because he won't pitch again until next Friday when Mississippi State has the NCAA regional here in Starkville. And so considering the success that Ethan had, uh, if you want to win this thing and you you feel like you need to get a couple wins, maybe it's better to throw, Ethan. I know we had talked about maybe uh, going with uh, some midweek pitchers or whatever, and, and you still may do that. But I believe if you want to beat LSU, I think the way to do it is to put a left-handed pitcher on the mound, whether that be Jack Egan or Ethan Small or whatever. I think, and, as, and we have been told by Chris Lemonas, he's not going to mismanage pitching uh, in order to win this thing. You know, he wants to win the tournament, but he's not going to go. We're not going to sacrifice the health of our pitchers uh, for next week to win this one. And uh, but you know, if Ethan Small can go out there and give you, you know, 75, 80 pitches or whatever. Put him on a pitch count. See how he feels whatever and uh, and see if he can't go get this ball game. I suspect it'll be a pretty low-scoring ball game. But the bottom line is, if State wants to win this thing, you probably need to throw a left-handed pitcher. So maybe Jack Egan gets a start. Maybe you throw Brandon Smith as a right-hander, and as an opener or whatever. Maybe you treat it like a midweek game. Uh, maybe you throw Keegan James. I don't know. But I do know this, that uh, LSU is somewhat susceptible to left-handed pitchers. They really, really struggle. They've really got an order that's stacked with left-handed hitters. And so you've got a chance to really uh, keep them off balance. And when you get a guy like Ethan Small, and Ethan was absolutely deadly against OSU when he pitched against them that Thursday night, and uh, we ended up getting the winning relief. But, uh, but the bottom line is Ethan pitched well enough to win the ball game. I think that's when a lot of people in this conference said, okay, this guy is legit. He is legit. And since we've been together, of course, he wins the uh, SEC uh, Pitcher of the Year Award. JT Ginn, the Freshman of the Year. We put four guys on the uh, first-team All-SEC team. Tanner Allen, Jake Mangum, Justin Foscue. Um, I'm forgetting somebody. But, but either way, my, my point being is this is a very decorated team. Uh, I believe Dustin Skelton should have been selected catching from Vanderbilt's the first guy, Cooper Johnson's the second. I really thought I really thought that uh when you look at the offensive piece for Dustin, Dustin Skelton, he's got he's one one stolen base guy, one caught stealing off the lead heading into the final weekend, and then he's hitting about a hundred points higher than Cooper Johnson. But it is what it is. We've moved on from that. Uh, but I think Ethan Small is a guy that it's probably a couple of starts away from uh, making some people gamble. And I, ha- I talked to a Major League scout over the weekend. said he really th- felt at this point that Ethan had a second-round grade on him. Said he said he just didn't think he would go past the third. said he felt like the second-round grade. But if he puts together a couple of big showings here before the draft... He could make it awfully interesting and awfully tempting for a team to take him in the first round. And, and I'm sure it'll be you know, in the latter part of the round. You know, those high school guys always seem to go early. But uh, Ethan has had the kind of year, probably an All-American year, and really has put himself in a situation where uh, he is going to be probably one of the top college pitchers taken in this draft. And uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, as a left-hander, as a guy that can really bring it and a guy that has began to throw more of a mix. You know, it's not just about the fastball anymore. Even though there's a lot of lineups out there he can beat just by throwing his fastball. But uh, every ball game that you watch in the SEC now, it doesn't matter who's playing, that at some point his name comes up in conversation. When they're talking about the better pitchers in this league, people talk about Ethan Small. And we knew how great he was for for State down the stretch last year. We knew when the season ended, he would be the Friday night guy. And he has surpassed, I think, everybody's expectations this year I don't think there's any question he has locked down that Friday night deal and you know every single time that uh, he takes the mound you've got a chance to go in a ball game so if we see him tomorrow night I will not be surprised if we see him go out there and dominate LSU I will not be surprised but I do not expect a high scoring ball game I do think that Jake Gautreaux is one of those coaches that uh, if you beat him once you better be glad you did because if uh, if I know Jake and I know uh, Coach Lamontis and those guys, I'll, I'll tell you, they'll be up looking at film of Eric Walker, or probably have been most of the day, kind of preparing for how they're going to attack him. Because I did not think we had a great approach the last time. We needed to kind of run his pitch count up, and we didn't really do that. But, uh, again, he's the guy that doesn't give you a whole lot. He doesn't walk a lot of people. Doesn't do it. He pitches to contact. He's able to get on the barrels and get those ground balls and kinda of get you out on your front foot, some get you popped up. Really good at changing speeds. But uh, this really is not the matchup that I wanted. I was hopeful that South Carolina would try to find a way to win, but I, but you know, as soon as I saw LSU in that five spot, I felt like the state needed to find a way to beat South Carolina to kind of avoid playing that four or five game. You really want you didn't really want to play LSU. If you're Mississippi State, There's some other people that may feel differently, but because of the fact that they seem to be in our heads, uh, I really wanted to kind of avoid this matchup. But the bottom line is, if we're going to go to Omaha and win the thing, we're going to see some great pitching, we're going to have some elite matchups, and we're going to have to win some ball games, probably two to one, three to two, and and I think that's probably the game that you get Wednesday night. I will be surprised if this is a big ball game offensively uh, for either team. You know, unless Mississippi State just decides to kind of go Johnny Holstaff and then see what happens on Thursday. But uh, the bottom line is this, is that LSU is playing for the opportunity to host. They will come out motivated and prepared and ready to go. And pulmonary said in post game that uh, Mississippi State always brings out the best in LSU and said he's always had a tremendous amount of respect for Mississippi State since he played it in a regional up here when he was a coach at Notre Dame. And, you know, there's some people out there that will suggest that he's, uh, you know, he's kind of got it out for Mississippi State. Because they passed them over for a job, I think things worked out pretty well for everybody. I think I know the people at LSU. While they've been a little bit disappointed this year, historically they've been very, very happy with Coach Paul as their baseball coach. The Tigers will be ready to play when we get when we get ready to roll it out there tomorrow night. That or tonight, shall I say? They will be ready to go. Uh, my hope is Mississippi State will be as well, and so. Mississippi State obviously has an opportunity to uh, to advance their cause here with shoe having an RPI right there in the teens be another quality top 50 quadrant one type win for Mississippi State. So not to mention, I think it would do a lot for the psyche of Mississippi State to find a way to win this ball game and kind of get that monkey off the back. Again, that'll be the night game tomorrow night. the final game. in the event that state wins that game, they will stay in the night bracket, okay? and play that third-round game, be a night game on Thursday. If Mississippi State loses the ball game, they would be the second game on Thursday, the second game. Of course, the first game will start at 930, and the second game shortly thereafter. So in the event that State wins, because we're going to be positive here, then State plays the winner of Auburn-Vanderbilt. In the event that State loses, State plays the loser of Auburn-Vanderbilt uh, Thursday mid-morning in the elimination game. In the event that State wins tonight and then wins on Thursday, uh, then you're, no, you're not playing on Friday. You're not playing in the elimination round but you get into Saturday which is a single elimination deal. It's a winner take all type thing to get you to Championship Sunday. So used to be years ago you'd have to have to win two or whatever you know to get there. You don't have to do that anymore. So if you win your first two, you get the Friday by and so it's set up a little bit better than it used to be in many respects, but you are playing a lot of games, and so that's why it's so important to miss that Tuesday. If you can avoid playing on Tuesday at all costs, it sets you up basically to play four games in a week, which what most people are used to kind of managing anyway because you play so many midweek games. But in this format, you're going to save your midweek guy more times than not for uh, for that championship game, You know, which is one of those things that uh, those guys will throw on the weekend because it's so important, everybody, there's so many people on Tuesday that have something to play for, trying to play their way into the tournament or play their way into hosting opportunity, that a lot of people throw their stars. And as you saw, you know, you know Florida threw Tommy Mace and A&M threw Ace Lacey. Old Miss throws their Friday night. guy, Will Etheridge, Tennessee, throws uh, Garrett Stallings. LSU throws Cole Henry, and he hadn't pitched in a month. Uh, so, you, you know, you understand it. And there will be some stars out tomorrow. I mean, it's uh, people are trying to advance and improve their postseason resume. And so uh, that's kind of where we stand. And so I can't guarantee you you're going to see Ethan Small, but I certainly can't rule it out. But I do think you're going to see Mississippi State come out and try to win that ball game tomorrow night. I don't think anybody's just showing up and saying, okay, let's just lose two and go home and wrestle on our laurels. I don't think the Mississippi State baseball team is built that way. And in many respects, I think maybe LSU winning is a good thing for Mississippi State because of the fact – We want to get those guys. There is a rivalry with them, and I think Jake Mangum is a guy that, you know what, this can be the last time that he ever plays them. We want to get out of there uh, with a win. Looking at some other things, I don't know if you're aware of this. There was some big news on the football front on on Tuesday as uh, Coach Joe Moorhead signed a four-year contract extension. It is not atypical for this to happen. I know the university uh, released this today pretty savvy on the – on behalf of Mississippi State to put this out during the SEC baseball tournament because of the fact that it's going to be on the ticker at the bottom of the screen all day long, as it was. And uh, so John Cohen released this statement. We are excited about the leadership of Mississippi State football under Coach Moorhead. He is a man of integrity, loyalty, and humility. His love for his players and our program is evident. He is driven by elevating our program to a championship standard on and off the field. We look forward to watching the continued growth of our football program under his watch. Jim Moorhead says, it is a privilege to be the head football coach at Mississippi State. I want to thank John, President Mark Keenum, and this wonderful university for believing in me. My family and I love Starkville. For me, it's about building a championship program our Bulldog fans can be proud of and helping our players maximize their potential on and off the field while walking away with a meaningful degree from Mississippi State University. Our team is excited about the season ahead and I look forward to continuing to elevate our program and everything we do. So uh, that is uh, not atypical. The, some details were announced. He's up to $3.2 million. We fully expected that to happen anyway, but it is a four-year contract extension through the 2022 year. What really it is is it is a raise and then a rollover because the IHL board would not allow you uh, to have a contract longer than than four years, that's just that's just kind of state law. It's how it all works, and so I really think it's a good thing anyway. I, I don't know that if you want to be obligated for a head football coach really for more than four years in any sport. But the bottom line is, Jim Moorhead now inked up through 2022, and I, I saw the reaction on social media, and uh, I, it's like there are some people, it's like reality doesn't match their viewpoint. And then they immediately get angry, and so it is. This is what we do. It's very, 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 very rare to see a guy not get extended. You, you guys may may not remember this, but uh, just about every coach that's been fired in this state, whether it be State or Ole Miss, whatever, uh, signed a contract extension. And uh, as some people in the media have tried to point out to recruits, uh, remember if you remember Ed Orsborn signed a. Uh, a contract extension uh, just before he was terminated I mean like the year that he was terminated and so it is not this is not a uh, it's one of those things that puts you on the hook but every single year they're gonna roll people over now sometimes they'll do it and they'll lessen the buyout because it protects the university and kind of cuts down on the investment should you have to fire a coach uh, but, you know, Gus Malzahn, uh signed a, an extension last year and agreed to take a lesser buyout. I think everybody understands what that means, that he's coaching for his job this year. So it's not a new practice to have uh, your coach. And we've, we've known, you know, forever this was deal was coming. I mean, it, we, we were told back shortly after the, uh, the, the Egg eggball that uh, they were already working on an extension for him. And the timing of the release, I think, shows that we're a little bit media savvy. We'll go ahead and put it out when it matters most. But uh, the bottom line is, is that Joe Moorhead's going to be your coach for the foreseeable future? And the fact that uh, he signed a four-year deal means, you know, listen, this university sees things a lot differently than some of our fans do. And we've got a lot of people in our country. And I don't want to be too philosophical here, but it's one of those things that, there's so much this immediate gratification that you know if, if we have the the slightest bump in the road, people think well you know the, you got to be coaching for your job you got one more chance. Now they don't they don't look at themselves that way obviously they don't you know they don't want those same standards applied to their own their own lives and their own employment. Uh, but the bottom line is you know, I I am in regular contact with Joe Moorhead I am in regular contact with John Cohen regular contact with Coach Chris Lamonis. Uh, and, I, and I can tell you that these people are 100% committed to Mississippi State University. Uh, I have a chance to meet with some of our administrators from time to time. That's one of the great things about you know going to ball games home or away, is you get a chance to talk to people about the future and about the commitment the university's willing to make to, to ensure that our sports teams are very competitive. And I can assure you that John Cohen is not going to hitch his wagon to somebody he doesn't believe in. John's just simply too competitive. John loves Mississippi State too much to be involved in something like that. It is not just a job to John Cohen. This is his passion. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I did not know that John Cohen was going to prove to be the athletic director that he has ultimately proven to be. Because all I really knew about John was the fiery side of John. The competitor John, you know what I'm saying? That's That's the only guy that I knew. Watching him as a player, and watching him as a coach, I didn't know if he would have you know the bedside manner that's required to be an athletic director in the Southeastern Conference. But he's proven to be able to handle that, and maybe we give Nell Cohen some credit for that. Okay, you know, maybe because of the fact that you know, and and we it's such a great package deal for Mississippi State to have John and Nell. Uh, but the bottom line is John's done a great job, and uh, John is a guy that is a great steward of our money at Mississippi State. He is not gonna go out there and find a way to spend money just to say we did. It's just like when he found a way to allow Dan Mullen to go out and hire Todd Grantham. And that was one of the conversations that, that we had. That John w- reached out to Dan Mullen and said, "Hey, listen, who do you want to get and who would you get if money was no option?" And Dan gives him three names. And Todd Grantham's one of those names. And we knew we were saving some money on the quarterback coaching hire. We knew we were saving some money at the tight ends coach. So what do we do? We use that money wisely. And we go out and get Todd Grantham. And what does he do? He brings you a top-ten defense. But that's what John Cohen does for you. And I, and I can assure you, everything that at Duty Noble Field, every single thing out there, I can promise you, John might have even got on the phone himself to ensure that Mississippi State was getting the best deal for this stadium yes, we spend a lot more money than we expected to, but, man, it's so worth it. It's going to pay for itself. It absolutely is. Uh, and so when I hear, they, when I see these people being critical and saying, well, what are, what are we doing? And, listen, no, nobody is saying that they're happy with how last year went football. You know, we love our players. We loved our defense. We didn't win as many ball games as we should have. You don't think Jim Moorhead knows that? You don't think Jim Moorhead knows your feelings? Joe even addresses that you know he addresses that when he has hit the Road Dogs tour he went out there and talked about that stuff he hears you okay he does but I will tell you that Joe Moorhead is a very intelligent individual Joe is a very passionate individual Joe is a very competitive individual Joe Moorhead didn't come here to to fail Joe Moorhead didn't come here just to take our money and go take an OC job somewhere and stock up and have some money in the bank. He didn't come here for the retirement score. Joe came here to win a championship. Now, I don't know if we won a championship, but I do know this. I do know that Joe Moorhead will give us everything he has. And I do know that Joe Moorhead is uh, taking the steps this year uh, to put himself in a position uh, to move this football program forward. When I addressed to a report that popped up yesterday, I saw, uh, I I guess, I can't remember, maybe Colin Hill shared it first. But uh, there was some discussion about Amir Rasool, the grad transfer running back from Florida State. Based on the information that I have, I do not think that situation is nearly as ripe as some would suggest that it is. Uh, I know that Mississippi State has been in touch with him. I do not anticipate Mississippi State adding a grad transfer. At a running back, I think with Colin Hill coming in and uh, coming, pardon me, coming back and kind of coming into his own, and Nick Gibson, uh, kind of rounding in the form and, and being ready to go as a senior, and Nick's been very, very patient. He really has been, and uh, he stuck with us. Nick is true maroon, and then with Kareem Walker coming in, I think your depth chart is pretty much set. Now, in the in the event something should have happened, you know, like if we got through the spring and Nick Gibson had advised us, you know, hey guys, listen, I'm going to go ahead and transfer then I think it makes sense to go get a grad transfer. Kareem Walker, obviously, having to do some additional coursework, won't be here for the first session of summer school. We'll be here for the second. And Listen, we're in, Paul Jones and I are in contact with Kareem uh, regularly. I mean, it's not on a daily basis, but whenever we need to know something, we text him or call him. He tells us, and uh, he's on track. And so it doesn't make sense. Now, if, if Kareem wasn't going to be here, yes, a grad transfer makes sense for us, but it doesn't make sense when we have pretty much an established depth chart coming back. We kind of we, we go sign a guy like Kareem Walker to come in to play this year. And maybe he's just your third back. If, he, if he's anything more than that it's just a bonus. But my point being is that it doesn't make sense for us to go take a grad transfer when we already have a pretty good idea how we're going to manage the running backs this year. And so unless something happens unexpected, I don't expect to see Amir, uh, Rasul or anybody else transfer into Mississippi State to play running back. I just don't think that's the case. Now if we happen along a wide receiver, that's a different story altogether. You know what? And, and uh, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. You know, we're going to have people moving to campus here in about ten days. We're going to have those uh, June enrollees, and, and you know, at this point, the only one we know for sure that won't be here is Kareem Walker, and he's going to be here in July. But everything, everybody else, we believe has got it all together. Now, what the NCAA clearinghouse rules is still anybody's guess. You know, that there, there may be, you know. Maybe this course needs a description or whatever, or maybe there's somebody that has to do a retake. Don't know. But uh, we, we think there's a very, very good possibility Mississippi State gets just about everybody in for the June session. and so. But in the event there is somebody, and there always seems to be somebody that maybe has to come in a little bit later, but uh, don't panic. It's all being taken care of. It's, just some of these things. it's not your worry, shall we say. Uh, but the bottom line is Mississippi State uh, moving ahead with Coach Joel Moorhead and uh, moving ahead with recruiting. We had a big weekend last weekend, expecting some big weekends to come. We'll have uh, the June camp sessions here before you know it. I mean, we'll be covering that, uh, you know, just a matter of a couple of weeks and um, be happy to to provide that coverage for you guys and, and really ready to see some of these guys. There's some of those guys that you know we, we saw in the fall, but some other guys too that we haven't really seen have a chance to get out and run and see what they can do, eager to kind of see all that and uh, looking forward to that. But right now it's all about baseball. Right now it's about Mississippi State getting ready to go take on LSU. And so my hope is when we get a chance to speak again on Friday that we are preparing for uh, Mississippi State to have an opportunity to play some baseball on Saturday. We don't want to have to play on Friday. We want to win Wednesday, win Thursday, and then take the day off on Friday and enjoy Maroon Friday watching everybody else play baseball. But until next time, let's all live our lives and that way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.